Thank you very much. So, I have nothing to ask you guys, because I was just here and I just asked you, but I'll assume you guys are good. Um, you know, a lot of, like, a lot of times, Tim and I will debate about, like, hey, if, if there's something that's out there in the news, or people are talking about it, is it something that we talk about, like, do we step into that space, and a lot of times the answer is yes, like, if we, like, we want to proclaim truth, and we want to talk about um, what we believe, and we want everyone to know where we stand on things, and um, this, like, what, so what I'm about to share is just me, like, it's not, like, not the views of Trinity Church or Tim or, or those affiliated with or those that have been to or heard of, this is just, like, this is just me, but something that's been out in the news and, like, I know my office was buzzing about it, and um, I just want to address this morning, um, I don't want to see Avengers, I don't. It's four hours long, and I haven't seen the others. I'll just get lost. It's I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get the deal. I don't understand. I don't like. Maybe you can explain it to me, but I don't get it. And I, the other thing, like I know it's I know it's the different side, and so you may not be a fan of it. But like Ben Affleck, he's not Batman. He's not. He's not Batman. I mean, he's like he seems like a good dude, but. He's no Matt Damon, and and he's definitely not a Batman. Like, if there's a Batman, it's Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton is Batman. And if there's a second place Batman, like, you know, they're like Val Kilmer. And then Christian Bale comes after after Val Kilmer. And but I just, I just don't get the soul the whole superhero thing. I I thought I saw Bear on a movie poster, and I walked in and saw a movie called Aquaman, and I was just lost. I didn't know what it was. Um, but I, I just wanted to share that this morning so you know where I stand on those things. Um, so let's pray, and then, uh, then we'll get serious. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for um, letting us open your word and learn more about you. And uh, God, I pray that you would just shape us and whatever we have going on and all, all the stuff in our life and the trappings of, uh, of just trying to get through. I pray that we would set that aside for a minute and we would open up our hearts to, to hear from your word and to worship you some more. And, uh, God, I just pray that you would fill this place and, and make that possible. In your name I pray. Well, we are back in Genesis, so we, uh, we took a three-week break uh, for our Easter series, and now we're, we're returning back to Genesis, and so just, uh, you'll remember, like, the stuff that's happened so far is everything, <laughs> literally. God created the world, and then everything happened up to this point, um, where we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 15, which is with Abram, and so he has been called out, and he followed God's calling, and he has separated from Lot, and he is an, an old man just trying to walk with God. Uh, and live out the life that God has called him to. And so that's where we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 15. Uh, if you will turn there, uh, we will read. Uh, and I'm going to, uh, well, well, we'll read the whole thing, and then we'll break it up. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. <clears throat> Fear not, Abram. 
I am your shield, your reward shall be great. But Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven, the number of the, star, number of the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from, the, from Ur, from the Chaldeans, to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said, Bring me a heifer three, three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be, so, will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go, <clears throat> you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. And on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land. From the river of Egypt to the great river, river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Camadites, the Hittites, the Pezrezites, Rephaim, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Amen. So, in this, in this chapter, we see God make this covenant with Abram, and um, just to let you kind of peek behind the curtain a little bit of how we uh, work stuff out. We, Tim and I will get together, and after we've decided like what section of Scripture we're going to go through, we kind of break it up and assign it to the weeks, and then we go through our calendar, and um, if he's on call, like that's usually when I'm up, or if he needs a break, and, and so then we just assign it out from there. And so we don't we don't pick and choose what we do, and it just worked out that in this Genesis series, like I had the Noahic covenant, which is kind of a big deal, and and now like the Abrahamic covenant is here and kind of a big deal, and that's not how you would draw it up, right? Like if you were if you were planning out a church and you were doing it, like you would have your guy do like the big ones, and then like the other guy would do the other stuff. Um, but so I've I've really been thinking about this and and I really want to convey it well so stick with me through it because if we can understand what's going on here then this whole Bible will make sense if we understand the pieces of, of what's happening with between Abraham and God here and so it's a 
it's a text that when you read that you're kind of like there's some weird stuff going on like we're cutting animals in half and we're like we're chasing them off and there, there's a torch and a fire pot and there's a lot of stuff going on but if we really break it down and we understand what's going on here we can understand why we're here we can understand why we're in this room we can understand why we came to worship today and so um I just pray that as we look at Scripture, it comes alive to you in the way that it has for me, studying it and listening to other guys teach it um, this morning. So, I just want to talk about like what physically was going on and then the meaning behind it. So, God comes to Abram and he says, Abram, I'm, I'm going to bless you. And Abram says, that's great, but... Who's going to get that blessing? Because I don't have, I don't have an heir. So everything you bless me with is just going to go to my servant, and he's my head servant, and I like him, but he's not my heir. So it's all just going to be gone. Like it'll end with me. And so God says, "I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm I'm going to give you offspring. It's not going to go to your heir." It's going to go to your own son. And then in verse 6, we see this really awesome verse where it says, And he believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So God makes him this promise, and he says, I don't get how it's going to work. And God says, here's how it's going to work. I'm, I'm going to do it. Don't worry about it. And he believes God. He puts that faith in God. Where he says, I don't understand it. I'm old. I don't have, like... I don't have a child. We've been trying to have a child for a long time now. It's not working. I don't get it. But I'm going to put my faith in God. I'm going to believe. And that's, that's where it starts. And then God comes back and, and he makes this another promise to him. And, and Abram's like, I still, I still don't get it. Like, how's this going to work? And God makes a covenant with him. And so we're going to get into now what a covenant was. And so God steps into space that would have been very familiar to Abraham with his, within his culture. So if you and I were going to make a covenant, um, and this is, very, this is very hard for us as Americans to understand because all of our contracts are just, it's Sunday school so. <laughs> Every week Jesus gets me. Um, if we were going to make a contract, like we would just put in a buyout clause, right? Or some kind of penalty so that if you didn't want to fulfill your part of it or I didn't want to fulfill my part of it, we would just have to pay some money. You know, like we do this all the time with apartments. Like, well, if you're going to break the lease, then it's this much. Or contracts between companies or things like that where... So we don't have this, this understanding of, of what a covenant was in that culture. And if you and I were going to make a covenant, we would take animals, and just like Abram did here, we would cut them in half, and we would set them apart, and then you and I would walk in between the pieces together. And we would be saying to each other and to everyone who was around, let this happen to me if I fail on my part of this contract. If I don't fulfill what I'm saying I'm going to do, let this happen to me. Let me be cut in half and spread apart. And so that, that was how a covenant was made in that time. 
And in that culture, this is something, this would have been a, clear, a crystal clear picture to Abram of what God was saying. God was saying, I'm going to make a covenant with you that's binding, that's, that you can understand, that you can feel the, okay, God is making this promise to me. And God puts Abram to sleep. And it says a great darkness came in. And in the Old Testament, that's a symbol for God showing up. And then you see this, this fire pot and torch that passes between the pieces. And so what God is doing there is he's saying, listen, Abram, I'm going to make a covenant with you, but you're not walking through the pieces with me. I'm walking through the pieces. Because this is my covenant, I came up with it, and I'm going to be the one that does it. And all you have to do is put your faith in me that I'm going to work it out and that I'm going to fulfill it. You're not walking, you're not walking with me through it. You don't owe me anything by it. I'm doing it. That's what God is saying to Abraham here. And so what does that mean for us? How does that play out in our lives? Well, first, we have to understand where Abraham, where Abram started out. So in the very beginning, when he started out, you know, we like to think things like, well, God made a great nation out of Abram because he was like, he was a good dude. And of course he made a covenant with him. Of course God loves him enough to demonstrate that love through this covenant, through this picture, because like, he was a good guy. But that's not the case. God made him into what he was. God led him to become the father of a great nation. But when he started out, he was a pagan. Listen to this. Uh, Isaiah 51, uh, verses 1 says, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn, to the quarry from which you were dug. And so Abraham is the rock, the father of this nation. And what Isaiah is saying there is like, look to Abraham. Because he was this rock that was dug out of a quarry, and this word quarry, actually, the reference here is through a pit. See, Abram was a pagan. He lived in Ur of the Chaldeans, and until God called him out, like, he was lost. He wasn't, he wasn't some amazing guy that was really good and got to this point to where God noticed him, because that's how we think, Right? We think like, well, if I, can, if I can read my Bible enough and if I can go to church enough and I, if I can do all these things and become a good enough person, then God will notice me and then, like, then God will save me and then God can use me. But that's not the case. He was this rock down in this pit that God called out. Uh, consider this, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Just like Abram was, this rock down in this pit, dead in your trespasses and sins. And I want you to understand this. If your story with God doesn't start with you dead in your trespasses and sins, your story hasn't started. That's where you have to find yourself in the beginning, is dead in your trespasses and sins, the same way Abram was. And then what did he do? We see it in verse 6. He believed the Lord, 
and it was counted to him as righteousness. He didn't earn enough. He didn't well up enough righteousness. He didn't do enough things or, or follow God to make it to a point to where he became righteous. He believed God. He put his faith in God, and it was counted to him as righteousness because it wasn't his righteousness. It was God's. Because God was the one fulfilling the contract. God was the one that was going to do it. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That's what we mean when we say put our faith in God. That's what it means to have that relationship with Christ. To call him your Lord is to say, God, I'm going to completely depend on you. For my salvation. That in all that's happening, all that all my life, all this sin that I have, this realization that I can never make it, I can never be good enough, I can never go far enough, I can never say enough prayers or do enough things. God, I'm gonna depend on you to make me righteous. That faith coming and believing that He is and that He's the rewarder of those who seek Him. So that's what Abraham did. He, he took that step. When God called him out of Ur, he went. And when he didn't understand, he went. And when God made him a promise and he was like, I don't get it, he believed God. And he put his faith, he put his security and his dependence completely on God. And that's where we have to find ourselves, is willing to do that. And so then, what did God do? Picking back up in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved, and raised up with him, and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, when we were in our dead, when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God, being rich in his mercy, came and forgave us and pulled us out of that. And it's just our responsibility to put our faith in him and then walk. So how's it play out? Right? Because it's easy to say, oh, I believe, like, I believe in God. Right? It, it's easy to, to say that, but what does that look like? Right? Because if that's the reality in your life, it changes you. If, you. if you encounter God, that makes an impact on your life that causes you to be different. And it's not this, all of a sudden you're a perfect person. But it's this daily dependence on God, this daily faith on God, this daily walking with God that shapes the way that you live your life. Uh, Hebrews... Uh, 11, verse 6, again. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists 
and that he rewards those who seek him. And then verse 8, by faith Abram obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. See, true faith leads us to walk. James tells us, you say you have faith but don't have works. I'll show you my faith by my works. See, works doesn't earn us the faith, but faith inspires us to work. That's what we have to understand. Because you can say, I have faith, but if your life isn't different than it was when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, then I have to ask you if you really have faith. And that might be a harsh thing to hear, and it's a harsh thing to say, but it's the reality of it. And I love you too much to not tell you that if your life isn't different, you need to examine what kind of faith you have. And you need to look at what your faith is in. Because if my faith is in myself, then I can become consumed with my things and my desires and my goals and the stuff that I want. But if my faith is in God, just like Abram, I will walk in it. And just like the verses in Ephesians, like God lays out these good works so that we can walk in them after he saves us. And after that faith is put in him, it should inspire us to go forward. It should inspire us to walk. Knowing that God is doing his part. Right? Our salvation is secure in him because he's the one, just like this covenant with Abraham, where he is doing the work. It's his covenant. He laid it out. And he's the one that's going to fulfill it. But if we believe that, it changes us. And that's really what this is all about. That's really what this whole story is about. It's about us being lost and God coming with a plan to save us and pull us out of that. So this covenant with Abraham is an exact picture of what salvation is, about how our Christian life should look and about how we should walk. We don't have to do crazy, amazing things. God may call you to do crazy, amazing things. I hope he does. But the reality is you're just called to walk every day because if you put your faith in him, it changes you. Let's pray, and we're going to worship some more, and then we'll go on our way. God, thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would just fill us and we would, we would recognize your presence. God, I pray that, that we would believe you, that we would trust you to do the work of our salvation and then that that faith would spur us on to your calling. God, I pray as we go out the rest of this day and this week and all the, all the stuff that we have to deal with, all the stuff that we have to grind through, God, I pray that our faith would be securely in you, not in ourselves and our own abilities, not in our ways to reason, not in our feeling good about something or motivating ourselves externally, but that we would just put our faith squarely in you and trust you, and that would free us up to walk with you. In your name I pray. Amen.